This is the Macho Man Randy Savage. And this is Hard Factor. And there is no one that does it better right now. Yeah, nobody does it better. I ain't repeating myself. Go ahead and tell me something right now. Yeah, and I'm living in a nightmare. And I'm not a racist. And I'm always jittering. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the show, Mr. Jeremy Spike Cohen. Uh, he is an American libertarian political activist, entrepreneur, and podcaster. He was the Libertarian Party's nominee for vice president of the United States in the 2020 election, serving as Joe Jorgensen's running mate. And I, I read that right from Wikipedia, so I hope that I didn't miss anything. I was going to say, I've heard that. That has become everyone's go-to when they introduce me. I could I could read it off. Uh, I memorized it at this point. Yeah. Well, Good. Spike, why don't you do your own intro? Uh, if if you take issue with Wikipedia, what's what's? How would you describe yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Spike Cohen. I am an American libertarian activist and podcaster, uh, and and uh, and whatever Wes just said. No, I that, I mean it's all accurate. I you know the 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 thing. It's just funny to hear it over and over again. But yeah, no, I am Spike Cohen. Uh, I am. A, it's funny to to go after that because it, it is pretty accurate. Uh, I actually started in the world of business. I started a web design company back when I was 16 uh, in the uh, the heady days of 1998. Uh, grew that into a fairly successful company. A few years ago, I decided to retire from that to go full time into what really drives me and what I think my real purpose is, which is messaging a, a message of liberty to the world. And uh, to that end, I became the host of My Fellow Americans and the co-host of The Money Waters of Freedom. Uh, I parlayed that into deciding to run for the vice presidential nomination when people came to me and said that they thought I should be taking my show on the road. And uh, that resulted in my becoming the VP candidate. And we came in third. Yeah, we in saw that. States. We, we came were in third. <laughs> you were on your bus virtually. Take, take that, Green Party. Yeah, we were on Joe's bus. We did, <laughs> we did an interview with, with Joe. She was giving a speech in Delaware. And so we interviewed oh, her okay. for like an hour and met everyone on the bus, which we wanted to ask you about that bus. It seemed like there were some attractive uh, – people on the bus yeah who's hiring then, on that bus no no see that's the problem <laughs> joe's crew was attractive my Weirdly crew attractive. The only attractive yeah the only attractive person on my uh bus tour was my wife everyone else was i was the second in my opinion second most attractive and then it just went downhill from there honestly who hired, her doing? Who hired your wife yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i you know the thing was i didn't think she'd want to do the bus tour because it's me and a, a bunch of guys on a bus for three weeks. And she was like, she, she was <laughs> most excited. Talking about? She thought she didn't, she wouldn't want to do the bus tour. Every wife does not want her man on a bus with some guys for three weeks. That's literally, you're describing Motley Crue. Oh, bro. wow. Okay. And, yeah. 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 Okay. Think of it that way. See, I'm so wholesome that I didn't even think of, I didn't even take it there. And then she's like, yeah, I definitely want to be on the bus. I'm like, Okay. So she yeah. missed the first, uh, I think, four days of the bus tour, and then she was on it. But, oh, see, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I remember yeah. that NBA player whose wife would go to all the away games. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she wants to keep an eye. She wants to keep an eye on your dick. That's so what it was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So how did you get the name Spike, right? Was it, was oh, it gosh. To, is it related to My Little Ponies or something? What? It is related to My – as I tell this story, keep in mind that I was three, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and just Early dial brownie. down – dialed down i've been called the original brony and if, if if a brony means that i've kept up with it then i'm not a brony because I, I i stopped following my little pony around i think four uh but i i uh 
at the age of three, we went to see the My Little Pony movie. And if anyone's seen this, it's the character uh, Spike is the purple dragon who yeah, is also, but he looked way more manly in in the original. That's that's sure. that's that's the Zoomer version of My Little Pony. Mine was the Gen X millennial version of, of My Little Pony. And um, and so he, you know, he saves the day at the end. And I'm you know, a little three year old. I was all worked up. And so I told my parents from now on, I'm Spike. Not, don't call me Jeremy. I'm Spike. And awesome. my parents were like, this is a problem. So they took me to like a child behavioralist or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they the, at, at the end of everything, the, the doctor, whoever talked to me was like, He's fine. Just call him Spike. They figured that it would be a phase. I'm now 38 years old. See, if you leaned nice. into that, you, if you leaned into that, you could have gotten like several thousand more votes with the Bronies. Of the, the, bro, of the Brony vote? Yeah. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't shy away from it. I, I actually talked to Bronies and I was like, listen, I, I have nothing against Bronies. I didn't follow MLP, but I was probably the first and maybe only person to name myself after an MLP character and then stick with it for the long term. So yes. you, take, you can take that for what what what. How you want to take that? Well, yeah. it's cool that your parents and everyone let you do that because I told my parents I wanted to be <laughs> Fart Man after watching the Howard Stern thing, and they didn't. That didn't stick. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to be Jason, which was yeah. short sighted at the time. I'm glad that I got a no From on Friday Jason. the Thirteenth. Well, I just, I just, there was just some kid in my fourth grade class that was really bad, and his name was Jason, and I was like, okay. whoa, he had, that kid gets respect way more than <laughs> than Patrick. Uh, nice. Yeah. So, but no, I mean, like today, you could be like, "Hey, my name is Roxanne," and people are like, "Word, Roxanne, what up?" You were very early in redefining your own identity, Spike. Uh, yeah, so- no, there, there were, there were people in my family who had a, a major problem with it, and it took many years for them to cope with it because, I mean, ultimately, it was just I don't really have anything against the name Jeremy. I just don't go by it. It just um, doesn't pop. It's not Spike. It's it doesn't not fuck. Spike. It's, Spike. it's, it's not, not Spike. Spike. It doesn't yeah. pop. <laughs> Jeremy doesn't fuck. Spike has never even seen a condom. You know what I mean? <laughs> Before we get too far into the to like libertarianism and, and the message, we have to ask you about Vernon Supreme. He was you were originally running with him, yes. right? And yes. he, he's your guy. Uh, Bubba, can you bring up a picture of Vernon Supreme? He looks to me like a kooky character in a nursery rhyme. What's up with the giant boot on his head? And what, what kind of guy is Vermin Supreme like? Is he holding so, a brain? Probably. That's probably a brain. A child's brain? It's a smaller brain. <laughs> it's a child. Well, he does talk about going back in time to kill baby Hitler. So he may be claiming that to be a trophy. Um, so Vermin Supreme is, uh, it's funny because Vermin in person, like Vermin when he's not being the character, is one of the most serious and thoughtful and intelligent people I've ever met in my life. He has come up with this cartoonish persona that he uses to poke fun at politics. Basically, the whole thing is what he's saying is no more outlandish than what everyday politicians promise us, which we know to be lies, but we still vote for them. We still support them and everything else. So what he's saying is if you're going to give respect to someone because they're wearing a special badge or hat or whatever, I'm going to wear a boot on my head. Now you have to give me respect too. If they're going to promise you a bunch of things that you know aren't going to happen, then I'm going to promise you free ponies and I'm going to go back in time and kill Hitler. And we're going to harness the power of zombies for unlimited energy. And, and so he uses that as a way to, poke fun at things, but also to reach people who are so disgusted with political discourse in this country. They don't want to hear anything from someone like me or any other politician, someone showing up and talking seriously. They don't want to hear any of that nonsense, but he can get them with the humor. And then before they know it, it's sort of like with George Carlin, he'd bring you in with humor and and biting jokes. And then halfway into his routine, he's just hitting you with agitprop, uh, anti-establishment stuff. 
And you would have never started with that, but he no. led you in with the humor, lowered your cognitive defenses, and now he's just blasting you with 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 spitting facts. And that's sort of what Vermin does as well, just in his own really outlandish, sometimes uh, a cartoonish way of doing it. Um, and sense. he's been very successful in bringing people into the message of liberty. Totally different than what pretty much anyone else is doing, but he's been successful with it. It, it makes sense, though, right? Like, because you know, uh, it. Most older male politicians have had a stroke. So, like, it makes sense that he is out there with a boot on his head, uh, like, <laughs> like like someone recovering from a stroke. That makes total sense. I get it well, now. So does he ever try to, like, leverage Supreme and get, like, a sponsorship from the, the Supreme people? Right. Isn't that like the clothing brand? Oh, from the clothing thing. No, yeah. I think he just often uses their logo without attribution or, or permission. <laughs> but, um, a lot of people do like just fun. He just does it in general because <laughs> as he would say, I was supreme first. There he also uh, trolled around Pete Buttigieg uh, during the primaries in New Hampshire and claimed that uh, he had boot head head first and uh, and was demanding that he change his name. Um, and, and so that led to everywhere Pete Buttigieg went in New Hampshire, people started chanting boot head, head, boot head, head. (laughs) And, uh, and then he ended up losing. So that was the, that was the downfall right there. That was the, that was the (laughs) beginning of the end of the, of the Buttigieg campaign. Yeah. You can't Uh, vote for boot head, head. Spike, (laughs) who do you like? I heard you railing against Biden the other day. I know that you're not a Trump guy. I know you hate regulation, uh, Mm. but, but. Is there anyone in the establishment that you're a fan of or does that or does just just someone being in either the Democratic or the Republican Party, their ideals clash so hard with your political philosophy that you can't vibe on them? Is there someone that I'd vote for? Probably not. Are there people that are saying things that I really appreciate, but then often go against their own morals the second that it's uh, uh, politically expedient for them? Absolutely. People like Rand Paul, Thomas Massey, Tulsi Gabbard, even occasionally AOC, uh, Ilhan Omar. These are people that say stuff that's true. Even Bernie Sanders occasionally uh, will say things that we know to be true and that that talk about how the establishment is you know, put in place to take from all of us to benefit themselves and the politically connected billionaires who put them in office and then when push comes to stuff they they go along with it because if you want to remain in politics as a republicrat you have to go uh with the flow when you need to there are times they'll let you be the loyal opposition but if your vote is needed if your support is needed you have to fall in line or you're gone justin amash realized that he couldn't go along with it anymore and and as a result of that he got edged out of the party and and now he's a libertarian what about uh andrew yang would you would you love him in there you think he's going to win the new york city mayoral thing and then you think he's going to join the join the the machine i think he'll join the machine uh, i i mean put it this way he endorsed biden all of the people who they even even marianne williamson whom i love endorsed biden if you want to stay in the republican machine or republican or democrat machine in any substantive way you have to back their people you have well, to start i will say we, we did an interview with andrew yang and, and it was after he endorsed biden and he he said some interesting things like uh, we definitely need term limits, people that have been in for too long. So he started like kind of blasting on Biden on our show. Right. So it was kind of cool because he well, was saying a, some, some things. That's a great but, point, yeah. Mark. And to you, Spike. So I, we didn't want to ask Joe this uh, uh, during the election season. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, okay. it's the biggest criticism of libertarianism. It's like, OK, what are you doing out there, bro? Like there's 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 libertarianism in theory. Right. And then mm-hmm. there's the machine. Right. So I understand that. uh and I agree with you in a lot of respects that these lifetime Republicrats, as you put them, just play fucking politics. And that sucks. Right. And it's not good for anyone. I mean, I think we we most uh, evidently saw that recently in the vote to certify the election 
where uh, Liz Cheney was she was censured by some of her constituents in Wyoming. And these people were fucking afraid to vote for what they knew was right in certifying the election because they were afraid of fucking Trump, like like pussies. Right. Yep. So yep, yep. like, OK, so these guys are playing the game because they're doing it to mm-hmm. get it done. So and you have to admit that in some respects, what you're doing is practicing theory until there's a larger movement. So, like, do you fault those people for uh, taking the necessary evils on to try to make life better for us? Or do you say, how do you even uh, how do you even play that game? I wouldn't even play that game. Yeah, I wouldn't play the game. And 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 I've said this before, you know, if, if if I if I thought that there was a viable path to change the parties from the inside or even to try to sway them in a, in a meaningful way that helps people, I would be doing that. I'm in a very red area of a very red state. I would be working my way up the Republican Party and trying to do the Rand Paul thing. But here's what happened with Rand Paul. Rand Paul, he got to the Senate and he has been used to give a uh, libertarian uh, facade or imprimatur to the actions of the Republican Party. Look at any of the major things he's tried to get done. None of them have happened. He hasn't gotten to audit the Fed. He hasn't ended any of the wars overseas. He hasn't ended uh, or even slowed down the war on drugs. He hasn't ended or even slowed down uh, criminal justice abuses in, 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 a, in a substantial way. There have been individual people that have been pardoned, uh, but nothing nothing really substantial. And, and he hasn't been able to end no knock raids or militarization of the police or civil asset forfeiture or any of the things that he promised to try to do. And instead, what he had to give up was giving the libertarian stamp of approval or I guess liberty Republican stamp of of approval on an increase of debt of seven trillion dollars in the last. Totally agree with you. But couldn't people argue that he's done more than you? And I'm not that's not a knock at you. I'm just saying, like, is it an impossible system to break? You know what I mean? So there's two questions there. Has he done more than me? I think he's done more of a net negative than I could possibly do. The question of do we need to grow the movement in order to be effective? Absolutely. I came away from this campaign realizing that it is useless for us to talk about who because immediately after the election, even before the election, people were asking me, are you going to run in 2024? Are you going to run for president? Are you going to run for VP? And I said, who the hell cares if I run for VP? Who the hell cares who runs for president in 2024 as a libertarian if this is the voter base that we have? And that's not a knock on the activists or the the, the, the members of the party or the people that have been doing the hard work. But the reality is we have to grow the party we at the grassroots level. We have to, or else it's not going to matter. It is not, if we don't even have a shot in hell of being on the debate stage, then who the hell cares who's running? We have to grow the party. And that's what I'm going to be be focused on. Will it be grown in your lifetime, you think, to the point of relevance, like, or like compete competing? Like what? I, that's that's my goal. I think okay. I think it is viable fi- by 2024 to grow the party to the extent that our, our candidate can at least have a shot of getting on the debate stage. That would be and if nice. they can get on the debate stage, then they can pretend then uh, on the debate stage is how Ross Perot ended up leading before he dropped out of the right. race. Right. Came back and it, all that. Is it just going to take like a like a billionaire to get behind you guys like a Bloomberg or something like that to, to, to fund you guys? Uh, I mean, that's certainly that's I'm, we're certainly not, not turning down billionaires. Uh, but with that said, I think that it's more of a grassroots thing. I just went around 35 states, 75 campaign stops, spoke to something like 15 or 20,000 people that came out to the to, to my events, not including the ones that came out to Joe's events. And what I saw was that people in the local LP affiliates, libertarian affiliates could do with pennies what it took 
people at the national level to do with hundred dollar bills. And I realized in that moment that after this election, my focus was going to be on working at the state and local level to grow libertarian affiliates, to get more libertarians elected in local offices that we win in. We win dozens of elections in every cycle. They're at the local and regional level, but we win them. We can replicate that, have more wins at the local level, have more wins at the regional level, get some of those people that have already run, get them now uh, being able to run in state legislative uh, races, get them running for gubernatorial and, and big city mayoral races, get them winning and work our way up so that by 2024 and beyond, we actually have a shot of winning big federal races. Well, that's Pat's, that's Pat's favorite word, gubernatorial. Oh, so. gubernatorial. gubernatorial. Get off yeah. on that word, bro. <laughs> Not a fan of governors, but I love gubernatorial. But Spike, gubernatorial, let, me, right. let me throw some out there. Uh, cool plan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you got a problem, though, and it's the problem that the same problem that the legalization of marijuana movement had in the early days. Uh, in the early days of legalization of marijuana, the dudes being like, legalize it, man, didn't have pants on, you know? Uh, and, and the... Uh, the movement didn't move forward until it became okay for lawyers and uh, people who are prominent members of the community to be like, I also smoke weed and you should legalize right. it. There's a lot of guys in my Facebook feed that I wish weren't uh, that champion libertarian <laughs> party's beliefs. Right. It's it's like always like one of the weirdest assholes that, you know, that was like is borderline. Something is the libertarian guy in your, in your community. And I know that's not, I know that's not uh, completely true or like the only right. type of libertarian, but how do you uh, how do you grapple with that? Like that there's like a lot of crazies out there putting a bad name on your on your philosophy. Right. So because we're a relatively small movement, the loudest people within it are the ones that get the attention. So you have a lot of people that either are libertarian or have very libertarian friendly ideas. And then you have the people that want to scream at you that if your children are in uh, in public school, then you're a, you know, a, a welfare leech or something like that. Or they'll you know attack you on the most minuscule and minute of things and just in general de- demonstrate you know that they're big misanthropes. They just don't like people. The reality is we have to bring we have to focus on the people who aren't like that. And we have to work with the people who are like that to stop being like that. And that's actually a big part of what I'm doing. I've I've started a series that I'm called uh, Culture of Winning. And it's where I, I talk with libertarians who have actually been elected. And they're not the people that you're talking about. They're everyday people that unless they told you were the, that they were a libertarian or talked about politics, you'd have no way of knowing. And uh, and yeah. and so the, the idea is using well-worn ways of, you know, tried and true ways of reaching out to people in a way that actually connects with everyday normal people. We have sufficiently talked to people who are already predisposed to being libertarian and being drawn to that. At that point, at this point, we can move on to the other 98% of the country uh, who either has not heard our ideas or like you said, has heard a really bad take on them. So let's go, let's go into the policy. Cause we, I think we don't know it either. Wes, you have, a, I think we have some questions about like, what is libertarianism? What are your thoughts on? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, so, you know, it, a dummy like me, I'm not really sure, you know, what what exactly libertarianism is. to me. It's like lawlessness. You know, you're in a in like a fucking, you know, like saloon and everyone's you know, shooting each other up. Mad Max. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mad yeah. Mad. Um, you know, what's he's what, got aces in his sleeve. Right. Exactly. And then like, you know, <laughs> how, how do how do roads get built with less government and all that kind of stuff? Yes. Can you explain, uh, you know, to someone like me, it's not really you know too familiar with the platform, um, you know, how that how that works. 
So the short answer is, if we're not talking about a specific subject, just in general, we want a civil society just like everyone else does. We want first responders. We want roads. We want bridges. We want sidewalks. We want all of the things that, uh, you know, that create a civil society. We just think that government has proven itself spectacularly inept and unable to be able to actually provide these things in an effective way. So the problem with government isn't the services it's providing. It's the way that it does it. It's the very nature of the organization itself. Government is a monopoly that is financed by theft and enforced with violence and threats of violence, including putting people in cages or even killing them. Under that kind of an arrangement, there's no way to expect that we'd get good outcomes from that. Imagine if you if you went to Walmart to buy things and their their business model, instead of waiting for you to come in and buy stuff from them because they demonstrated that you should go that that they have value and that you should go to them instead of their competitors. Their model is first they come to your house and they take as much money as they think that they they need. And if you try to fight them, they'll throw you in jail or they'll take your car or something like that. But then from there, you can go into their store and pick out some stuff if, if they decide that you qualify for it. Do you think you're going to get good values? from that store? Of course not. But that's how government works. And in the best of scenarios, that that arrangement would end poorly because the people that live hundreds or thousands of miles away from you couldn't possibly know as well as you what you need. They couldn't possibly make decisions as well as you with your money and your ability to make those choices. And that's in the best of scenarios. We see what that kind of power draws. That draws incredibly corrupt and inept people who would otherwise be failures in the real world, but they're good at conning people and then forcing them into things. And then the, you know, the, the crony billionaires show up to, uh, you know, to leverage them for favors, which means robbing you to give it to them. We see that with these stimulus bills and everything else. This is an arrangement that happens as a result of the very nature of government itself. If government is to be legitimate, it should only be necessary, be providing the absolute necessities, and it should be accountable to the people. And it should provide and demonstrate value instead of robbing people and then giving them some stuff afterwards. And that's basically what libertarians believe about everything. It sounds like the opposite of the Robin Hood story, what's going on with mm-hmm. the robbing and giving to the to the rich. Um, so ta- you, you mentioned theft. I'm, I'm assuming we're talking tax here. And you, you're looking at three guys that aren't big on to taxes. So let's let's you, feel free to blast taxes, fuck taxes. But how do you finance the roads and stuff without taxes, right? Like what, what's the plan? Well, the short answer is every organization, but government has to find a way to fund itself voluntarily. Government is the only one that we allow to say, uh, yeah, our business model is give us your money or we're going to make things rough for you. Right? So here's an example of how government can be funded. First of all, there are some things that you can just have direct fees for services. If you, if you, if you use a certain service that's specifically just for you or your organization, you can just pay the fee for that. Right now, there are certain things like roads, courts, uh, uh, possibly police departments and things like that, that funding, you know, fi- uh, uh, giving fees to people individually isn't really an effective way to do it. So you could have something like a transfer fee. So let's say on every transaction, there's a, a 5% or 3% or whatever fee that you can either choose to pay or not pay. So here's an example. So uh, Wes, I sell you a car, okay? And I sell it to you for $10,000. Just letting you know. <laughs> yeah. You probably sell me three. So- well, good. Well, okay. So, so I sell you this car, 10,000 bucks, and we decide not to pay the $500 transfer fee. Either one of us could have paid it. I could pay it. You could pay it. We could split it, whatever. But we decide not to pay it. Okay. Nothing happens. Government doesn't come after you. No one gets in any trouble. But if that car turns out to be a lemon and you come back to me and you go, uh, Spike, the car doesn't work. What's up? And I go, hey, pal, you bought the car. I don't know what to tell you. You can't sue me now. 
because you didn't pay the fee that protects you. It's basically like a warranty that allows you to use the courts in case of something like that happening. Now, in reality, everyone's going to pay. Suck, though. Yeah, yeah, but this isn't just a, this isn't just a warranty. This is actually the ability that to to use to call the police and say, you know, right. this person's violated the Lemon Law, right? That's, and yeah. so what happens more than likely is that now. I'm going to either uh, offer to help pay for it or pay for it myself, especially if I do that for a business to show that you can trust me. I go, hey, at Crazy Spikes used car lot. You know that you can trust the cars that I'm selling because I pay the 5% transfer fee, right? Down there at Crazy Spikes, bring your daughter and we'll fuck her and you get a car. And on something like Apple's, on something I, like apples, you're probably not going to pay the 5%, right? Really you're not, probably not even going to pay that percent because it's an apple. Like, you, who are you going to sue for, right? So, yeah. or you may pay it because if you get sick, then you can sue them. It's 5, 5%. It's, it is a small, basically a nuisance fee that you can choose to pay or not pay. These are one of many creative ways that government could finance itself and demonstrate that it actually has value and have to be held accountable because if that fee gets too high where people go, yeah, you know what? It's not worth it. They can choose not to pay it. That helps keep government accountable. Accountable, and it allows government to finance the things that we need without pointing a gun at everyone and forcing us to give them money. It sounds like you guys really need to back crypto because it, it like crypto, we back crypto, yeah, right. It's it seems like the only way for your movement to, to, to take off, right? Because it's like if everyone uses crypto instead of fiat, uh, the government's going to shrink just because they won't be able to tax as much, exactly. And then, yeah, and then. They'll be forced but, to string, and you can set up these contracts where you uh, you don't need violence, you don't need police to exactly enforce a third well, party have, arbitration, have, have we, all of that. Have we reached a point of no return, job? though? Uh, like, have we reached a point where government is so big that we've reached a point of no return? No, I, I I don't really believe in a point of no return. I think it's just the further we go this way, the harder it's going to be to turn around and go this way. But I, I don't really think that there's this point where it, it because. There are points in the past where things have been worse for specific groups of people, and then things change where it got better. And it, and it took hard work, and it took often sometimes it took that society collapsing and rebuilding for it to happen. But no, I don't. I don't think that we're that we're past the point of no return. I don't like doing the whole if we don't win this election, everything is going to fall apart. No, if we don't win this election, we're going to have four years of things getting that much worse. And when we do get into office, it's going to be that much harder to turn it around. But no, I, I don't think it's point of no return. I think it's just you know the, the vice tightening over time, and more and more people realizing that they're not going to get what they want out of Republicans. They're just going to get more of the same. You're not a big must win game guy. It's, it's, and if we're still breathing, we got a chance. So we have a few listener yeah. submitted questions. Um, okay. Basically, people want to know what the libertarian is, libertarian take is on like college uh, tuition, college debt, mm -hmm. the, that crisis, and then also yeah. um, we have a, a, a Catholic priest who's a pretty cool guy. He wants to know what's your take on uh, religion in the public sphere, like talking about it, uh, being religious, and, and accepting religion, stuff like that. Sure. So let's do the higher education one. So the problem we have with higher education, surprise, surprise, is that government has basically created a system of theft that is built around uh, protecting uh, higher uh, organ uh, higher um, uh, uh, higher education organizations. So here, here's basically what that means. Up until the 1970s, the cost of health care, the cost of well, this is true of health care, too, but the cost of cost of higher education basically went up with the overall cost of living, right? So you could blame the Federal Reserve for the cost of education going up, but there wasn't anything specific to higher education that was making the cost go up. Then the government saved us from that arrangement by saying that they were going to create an absolute minimum or an absolute maximum that colleges could charge. Now, the 
maximum that they set was considerably higher than they were already charging. By doing, and then they said, but because we're charging a maximum, we're going to underwrite that cost by through Pell grants and through um, and through um, uh, college loans through through college debt. So here's what happened: instead of there now, see before that, colleges had to charge what their students could afford. It's called a price equilibrium. If you charge more for a product or service, so much so that most people can't afford it you lose business. So you have to find that equilibrium where you charge enough where you can still make money, but people can still afford it. And that, and by by getting the federal government involved in higher education, it completely obliterated the price equilibrium. Now, the price is whatever the college is set, and it goes up every single year, actually every single semester. And the, college, the, government's under, the government underwrites that cost through Pell Grants and through uh, loans. Now, as things got worse, and as an increasing number of lenders went, I'm not going to give out these loans. 40% of the people are dropping out and defaulting. I'm not going to do it. Federal government took it over. Now, good luck getting out of your student loan. Now, even if you're like the nearly half of students who drop out, you're still going to have to pay that damn thing. And that allows them to continue charging more and more. The answer is get the feds out of it. Put back the price equilibrium. Allow students who are who are able to demonstrate that they can't afford their loans to go bankrupt. That gets rid of the whole what do we do with the current student loans question. Instead of forcing working class people to underwrite the student loans of people that often are making professional incomes, which is what most uh, uh, people that, that are proposing forgiving student debts are proposing, instead, just let the ones who can't afford it file bankruptcy and not be and not have to pay for it just like any other debt right and then the and then in addition get stop any future bankruptcies and 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 bad debts from going up by getting the federal government out of the debts and the grants and just making them charge what the equilibrium is what students can actually afford and what actual private lenders are willing to lend out hmm. all right okay fine Oh, and then you're <laughs> whatever we yeah, get. Fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds good to me. I mean, <laughs> so then the other question about, and I, I, I think I understand what what they're asking, what the the priest is asking okay, so about. He's, he's saying like, uh, you know, like Joe Biden uh, swears to the Bible when it's convenient and it looks good, you know. And then same with Donald Trump because he's holding it upside down. Like he'll 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 preach, you know, believe in God yep. when it looks convenient to the party and it is beneficial. What is your stance on religion? What are libertarians? How do they feel about about religion? Well, Acknowledging I, that religion is yeah. a major, a very important, to a massive amount of Americans. Well, and that's the thing. Religion is incredibly important, and that's why politicians often, uh, you know, pander on it. Yeah. Right? They take advantage of it, and they they become hucksters and conmen. Right? They 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 use people's you know faith that guides them, and they go, yeah, I believe that too. Both Corinthians told me that. And then they hold the Bible up upside down or, or you know, they claim to be, you know, and, and I'm not saying Joe Biden's not Catholic. But when you have the body list, the body, the, the, the stack of bodies behind Joe Biden that, that most of these politicians, including Joe Biden, has, when you as Joe Biden can say that you passed bills and sponsored bills that resulted in millions of Americans being put in cages for victimless crimes, then it's hard for me to believe that you're taking your faith and your desire to do well for your fellow man terribly seriously. That's now, a pretty good nickname, question, though. You, you have spikes. Joe Stack of Bodies Biden. That's pretty Joe good. Stack that's, of Bodies that's, Biden. That's pretty yeah. intense. Joey Stack of Bodies. <laughs> Yeah. Joe, Joe Cage's <laughs> Joey stack of body. So uh, the question of, of, you know, of faith, faith's incredibly important. I think that I, I don't have a problem with politicians expressing their faith. I think there's two things. Number one, don't be a hypocrite. And number two, don't try to force your faith or, or lack of faith. 
lack thereof on others. Let people be free to worship or not worship as they fit. Leave the government out of it entirely. Separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. Yes. Spike, Um, I think that if you change your name to Crypto God Cohen, Mm -hmm. I'm just throwing this out there, dude. It's the fastest way for you for your movement to win is is crypto God pose as a crypto God. And because everyone right now is like, how do I get rich on the crypto? I want to get rich on the crypto. And like, you guys need the crypto. It's the only way it's going to happen. Crypto God Cohen, it's going to be you're going to be a lot more effective. I'm just and God with a W. So so not. Oh, God, like like God. God. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. God. Crypto God. So but also actually present myself as a literal deity. Or just no, 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 no. The the God part is more, oh. uh, it's it's more uh, proverbial. You're, just, you're you know, encouraging avatar. people to get into crypto. And, yeah, yeah, you're gonna be, a, yeah. you're gonna make them cash daddies. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> I, I'm sure people are like, oh, this Spike Cohen guy. I'll check him out. Some, you know, third third political party I may have heard of. Uh, okay, whatever. Or crypto God. You know, crypto what I mean? God. Or you could triple, or you could that, triple yeah. my stack. Then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna start paying attention to him. Yeah, yeah triple triple I, stacks. Could I, be good. Triple stack crypto God. There yeah, go. <laughs> I'm just saying, bro, you should hire me as a political advisor. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, Spike, I mean, we, why buy the cow? You're giving me so much milk for free. I might just keep <laughs> You're right. You're right. I, I'm, I'm really giving it to the listeners, Spike. That's why that's why they come here. So, <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Spike, mm-hmm. we have to talk about, uh, you know, for our listeners, we got to talk about the marijuana thing. We got to talk about drugs, legalization. Yeah. How, where do you mm-hmm. where do you stand on the legalization of drugs? We know some states. Uh, what was it? Is it Washington or or Oregon that's legalizing Oregon. some of the, of the heavier drugs? Yeah. Um, yep. You know, I was thinking I was watching the the documentary on Netflix last night, Crack, and they were talking about how, you know, Crack was introduced in the 80s and how the government kind of just flooded these 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 yep. poor communities with it. And then yep. the, the criminal laws took advantage of that. The prison you know, system 700 percent up. Is it is there mm-hmm. a danger in, in legalizing some of these stronger drugs and and, and you know, decriminalizing them? And then for like another administration to come in and totally reverse that. Will you have a shit show of, 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 of you know, unjust um, crime, you know, and, and courts on your hand um, in the end, if you decriminalize these drugs and the wrong person, you know, comes back into power. Um, I think I think once we end the war on drugs, that that genie doesn't get put back in the in, in, the, in the bottle because look at so that there was a threat of that after prohibition of alcohol. Right. ended. And yep. by the way, what's happening now is literally what happened with alcohol. And I say this, by the way, as someone who has been sober for almost 15 years, I do not think people should do drugs. I think it's generally a bad idea to be intoxicated in general. OK, I also don't think that I have any control of what you do. And more importantly, I recognize that when government tells you you can't do something with your body, all they are doing is what they did when they did with prohibition. Right. Mm -hmm. They create a black market that is now flooded with the worst actors that you would never want to be the one to provide you with that service. But they're the only ones who can do it because they don't care what the law is. You make it harder for addicts to get help. Because now they risk jail time if they even admit they have a a drug problem to begin with. You make it harder for people to help them because they, too, risk jail time for being an accomplished. You you create these cartels uh, by by giving them a black market. Those cartels then pay off government officials so they can continue doing their work. That contributes to general corruption in government. You create a rift between the people and the police because they increasingly see the police as people that are just not letting them do what they want with their own bodies. Uh, And you drive up, you, you put more and more people in jails and ruin their lives and give them felony records uh, and, and, and lead them to then have to become hardened criminals to survive in prison. Then they come out, they got a federal record, a felony record. They can't get a good job because of the record. They're hardened. They've been out. They've been out of society for years. They often, very often end up back in jail because they were doing what big pharma does every day. 
If we end the war on drugs, we have fewer people with addiction because they can get the help they need and people are, are feel free to help them. We get rid of the cartels because they lose their their uh, their their cornered market. And we get rid of a lot of corruption in government because they're not being bribed by cartels anymore. We get people out of jails. We get the, rid of their stupid federal felony records. We let them be able to get good jobs and, 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 and try to reclaim their lives as much as they can. And we cause future. We stop future harm from happening. This is not about, you know, hey, dude, we should all do drugs. This is about, hey, we should let people be able to get the help they need. And this war on drugs has utterly failed. I would like to congratulate drugs for winning the war on drugs yet another year 15 wow. years sober congratulations did you uh thank you did you um how bad was it did you kill someone in a car or something like that <laughs> no no no. actually you know it was weird i was actually incredibly successful during that time uh probably because i didn't have to sleep much and, uh, but but at, but at some point i realized this is going to kill me this is only going to get worse and worse because i was doing a bunch of stuff it wasn't just one thing Hell yeah. I was doing all this stuff right i was that guy and i was nice. like i was like <laughs> and i was like listen this is going you know i'm in my 20s now so i can get away with this but this is going to be a problem and so i i, I actually i'm one of the few people i was able to actually just kind of go cold turkey had a couple little minor slips in that time but within a few months time i was able to just come kind of completely go uh go stone sober and i'm you, i'm very happy that i did yeah. it thank you i, I appreciate that yeah nice. spy i loved your answer uh about the drug situation it was like you were like a non-douchey Ben Shapiro, like like you know you know Shapiro's <laughs> sharp, but then he's a fucking douche. Would you fight Shapiro? Like, do you want to fight that guy? Does that guy piss you off? Like he pisses me off. Like, how do you feel about Ben Shapiro? I don't want to. I, I don't want to fight it. So this will be the second time that someone invites me to dunk on Ben Shapiro on their live show. Because you know why? I, because you're eloquent and you're research, right? And 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 like like Shapiro is, and, and you're a fan Jewish. And you're like, I'm you're like, a, I'm, I'm, you're like but, a better but, package of Ben Shapiro. Yeah, but you're just not a, <laughs> but you've seen a pussy. You can tell that you've eaten a pussy in your life and you're not oh, afraid okay. of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Definitely not afraid of that. Um, <laughs> so do I want to fight? I don't want to fight Ben. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm, I'm a pretty, uh, uh, you want to pick on him, right? Yeah. Like you want to wedge yeah, him. We all like, there's something about that little dude. Yeah. <laughs> he knocked the yarmulke off at, uh, at synagogue. <laughs> It's low hanging fruit. Yeah, I would like I would like to debate him because I think that he has he has definitely cornered the market on saying uh, uh, giving uh, unchallenged tropes very quickly in a staccato way that makes it seem like he's ready You're for a man anyone. or a woman. You're a man or a woman. My wife is a doctor. She's an actress. Uh, I've never seen her vagina. Doctor. doctor. Yeah. <laughs> that was by the way. I feel terrible. I do, I do want to say this. I feel terrible for his wife because I feel like he just pushed his wife into like here all of twitter go just own my wife and she didn't even do anything like <laughs> yeah, mary like, ben was, hero she married oh, ben hero. true so i felt bad for her i did i did i was on a show called uh uh called steel reserve i think and i, I poured i poured a little i was on the bus and i, I poured a little out for ben's wife because i felt bad for her I, I think that because he she didn't do anything like he literally just threw his wife out there like here Sp everyone go make one of my wife dunking on spouses is tough it's not great um what's, right. it, what's it called they're like baron or baron trump or stuff like siblings and spouses and, uh, and offspring yeah uh, that's yeah tough. That's stuff tough. with baron it's like leave him the hell alone like when yeah, people are giving him tough. a hard time about something like he's a he's a child leave him alone yeah. give, give him a basketball and leave him alone yeah he's so tall. Give him a basketball. when you were talking about the drugs i agree with you i think if it's like completely legalized it's uh you can't put it back in the bottle it's kind of like in the movie it's Pleasant. not going it's like in no Pleasantville way. when they saw color for the first time it's like they're not going to go back to black and you know when they did is when yeah. she touched her vagina i'm pretty exactly. sure i remember Pleasantville yes. correctly 
Yes, that's why I called it Pleasantville. It was Joan Allen. <laughs> like, Whoa, there's color everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Spike knows what I'm talking about in his 20s. Yeah, uh, I'm going to need, need a colorful mop. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about paintbrush. It's like watercolors. <laughs> you got? We got any other questions for Spike? Uh, I don't think so. Spike, what's your plan for the next? Uh, how are you making money, man? Are, are you? Are you? Are uh, reti- you? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm retired. I've been retired for a few years now. You so made nice. enough cash, so that's great. So you can focus on the movement. So we'll, we just that's not- really what it is. Yeah, right. that's what it is. So here, here's and here's why. Because what happened was in 2016, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and. You know, I had up until that point been raging my way through trying to become a billionaire by the time I was 40. And I was working my way towards that. And then right side of my body went numb, spent two years figuring out what was going on. The doctor says you have MS. And then more importantly than that, then they start talking about treatment options. And they said, you know, the point of treatment for MS is to try to slow the rate of progression so that it's not much different than just the the, the regular uh, aging process. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, Oh, wow. Even if this hadn't happened, we're all just kind of marching to the day when we're not here anymore. And it just made me rethink everything. What, you know, I, I'm at a point now where I don't need to work to, to make money. Why would I not focus the rest of my life on what actually matters to me? A hundred years from now, none of us are going to be here. All that matters is the impact that we've made, not just on the people around us, but on our communities and on our society as a whole. And so that became my singular focus. It's what drives me. All my fears have now been replaced by one fear, which is that whatever time that I am on here, I'm not being as impactful and letting as many people as possible know that we don't have to live this way. This is a bad arrangement that was not made for us and we can change it. We have the power to change it. So that's what my focus is. My focus is on going around the country, growing the Libertarian Party into a party that actually can contest major elections, that can win more local and regional elections, that can start affecting the public debate and so that we can win and start setting people free and crypto god is awesome. that path crypto, wow. crypto triple, stack, triple stacks crypto triple god. stack crypto god <laughs> spike let me ask you real quick about uh yeah. related to the ms what are your thoughts on covid and then like the vaccine um strictly ties to, to ms and people with ms well, first of all, the reason that the COVID uh, pandemic is as bad here as it was is because for the first two months, the FDA and CDC didn't allow healthcare workers to test COVID patients. We had American companies making COVID-19 test kits. They were having to sell them overseas because they couldn't get approval to sell them here. And that allowed the disease to spiral out of control, gave them the pretext to then do these lockdowns and shutdowns, which have been proven not to actually slow the spread of COVID-19 long term and have done irreparable harm to people's lives and livelihoods as a result. As it relates to the vaccine, I think anyone who wants to get the vaccine should get it. I think it is an incredibly promising technology. I personally will not be taking it because my immune system looks for normal stuff to overreact to, like, you know, milk and bread. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't want to give it something that the old MS excuse. I've heard this before. The old MS excuse, it's, it's the well-worn MS excuse. No, I, I, I don't. It's been around for a matter. We have a safety profile that's measured in weeks for this vaccine. Sixty percent of healthcare workers won't get it. And, and the reason they won't get it is because they want to give it some time to see yeah, at least a few more months to see what it's going to do. I, I would need to see at least a year or two of safety studies specifically with people with autoimmune diseases before I could take it. And, and I generally stay away from vaccines in general. As a result, I am not an anti-vaxxer. I think everyone who wants to take it should take it. I don't think that it should be forced on anyone. And uh, I just in general, I'm, I'm going to wait and see how other people's immune systems respond to it before my Fair weird, enough. cranky immune system is, is given a chance at Fair it. Fair enough, but me, they're, not gonna too, let you, they're not going to let you fly next year, Spike. 
You're not, they're going to do that that's that yeah. uh, that badge we, thing, we, the vaccine badge. We, we shall see. Yeah. Now, the the one thing is, if if there is anyone that would get an exemption, it would be people like me True. because there's a but but that's not fair and it's not right. I, I don't think that you should be telling people uh, that may even have immunity. They may already have gotten it and now have you know are part of the the natural herd immunity that they can't get on an airplane or leave the country or whatever. I think that that's. I think I also am not sure that's going to happen. Uh, I do think that there are some businesses that are going to require it and things like that. And that's going to be some some pretty touchy uh, uh, civil rights issues there. But uh, but no, I, I think it's fundamentally wrong to tell someone they can't travel uh, if they if they haven't injected themselves with something. I got to get out of my house, Spike. I got to get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Um, that's awesome. Well, yeah. We appreciate uh, you taking the time today. Um, hey, thank you. Yeah, you guys have anything else? Yeah, uh, Crypto God Spike Cohen, guys. Yeah, thanks for joining, Spike. Crypto God Triple Stacks. <laughs> Take it easy. Thank you guys for having me on. See you later, yeah! Oh!